Well, Duncan and Kate, we want to invite you guys on up, and it's such an honor to have you guys with us. Let's give them a hand as they come. These guys are uh, amazing leaders. You know, they have been a part of, of really one of the most incredible successions that I've seen in the body of Christ is, as John Arnott has passed on what he carried to Duncan and Kate. And it's just been a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so these guys are leading the, the global Catch the Fire movement. And uh, we're just so thankful that you would come and pour into us. Yeah, I mean, we can't say enough thanks. These guys lead a global ministry um, they got a lot going on, and yeah. they took the time to come days. and be with us all weekend. It's really so amazing, you guys, so extraordinary. And, you know, we go way back with Catch the Fire. When we were young pastors in our 20s, we went up to Toronto, 1996. Was that the first one? 96 was the first time we went to Toronto. David, our David was one year old, and he went with us, and uh, and we just soaked in what God was pouring out in Toronto at that time, and John and Carol Arnott were leading that, and now they have passed on this mantle to Duncan and Kate to lead this amazing ministry, and I, if you were part of that in the 90s, you remember, like, the word was more. We all cried out for more. <laughs> you know, we found out there was more. You know, we were just good, you know, Baptist people. Um, we found out there was more, you know. And guess what? There's still more. There's always more. And, and I had this crazy thing happen this week where I felt like God was saying there's a new more. And I felt it over Duncan and Kate and over Catch the Fire. So they're here. They're going to release the new more. Who's in for it? Come on. I, I saw Duncan during worship with, with, this, with a huge thing of oil, and he was just pouring it out. Like every empty vessel, he would pour oil into it, and the oil just kept multiplying. So we're the empty vessels. Get ready. It's just the oil is going to pour out. I was thinking how, you know, if something gets wet with water, like it dries out, right? If something gets wet with oil, it doesn't dry out, right? There's an oil that God wants to pour out on us that we will burn and not burn out. Come on. And yeah, like we've, we've done all kinds of crazy things in Africa. And, and I'm, that's another thing about these guys. I mean, just saying. Who goes and to the dirt and no electricity and no running water? And there we are just having a, a grand old time. So we're going to have a grand old time tonight. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for the warm welcome, everybody. Um, whoa. So what started in Toronto as the Toronto Revival is now Global Revival, okay, and, and it's still going all over the world. In fact, it's getting hotter and hotter and hotter, and uh, we were just in, in Germany 
uh, recently, and the Holy Spirit just blasted everybody. So uh, get ready. Get ready. Whoa. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Wow. So uh, Kate's going to start, and then um, and then I'll I'll keep going and. Um, Awesome. I've received instructions from the boss. Whoa. All right, let's stand, everybody. Okay, I want you to take your eyes off Kate and I right now and do what you've been doing so brilliantly with Justin and Paige and the band and focus on Jesus for just a moment because he's here. best news that you can hear tonight is this. The kingdom of heaven is within your reach. That means all you have to do is reach and take hold of the kingdom and bring it down. And if you need healing in your body tonight, congratulations, you're in the right place. You did well. Your legs did well to bring you here. Mmm. Shika Banga. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you're the Spirit of Jesus. I thank you for the name of Jesus that is a fortress, a strong tower, and there's power in that tower. And that, that glorious name of Jesus is filling this room and filling our bodies. And it's by faith in the name of Jesus that we're healed. And so I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, move in power right now. Kingdom of God come and will of our Heavenly Father be done in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit is healing People right now that have been struggling with asthma. Right now, liquid golden honey goes into your lungs. Take a deep breath right now and breathe in the Holy Spirit. Breathe in the very atmosphere of the Holy Spirit. The very presence and person and power of the Holy Spirit. Breathe them in right now into your lungs. Whoa, right now in Jesus' name, that liquid golden honey fills your mouth, goes down into your trachea, your bronchial uh, tubes, and right into every alveoli area in Jesus' name and opens up your lungs. Breathe. Take a deep breath. You're going to see that you're free. Hallelujah. Whoa. Somebody with bulging discs is being healed right now. Bulging discs in the lower back especially, but also in the neck. Receive your healing right now. Liquid golden honey goes into your discs. And that excruciating pain that's been there for months and months, the Lord's healing it now in Jesus' name. I command that spirit of infirmity out of your back, out of your discs. Your spine in Jesus' name comes perfectly straight the way it was originally created to be. In Jesus' name, be healed. Whoa. And the Lord's healing 
celiac's disease and crohn's disease right now digestive disorders are being healed in jesus name that liquid golden honey that was filling everybody's lungs is now filling your esophagus and going right down into your stomach and your duodenum and, and into every area of your intestines your small and large intestine right the way into your colon in jesus name shika banga even your rectum is being healed right now fire goes through your body in jesus name be healed and those robbing spirits that have been stealing your energy and your food nutrition in jesus name i command them to be gone from you right now whoa whoa right now god's healing i see pain behind um eyes mm. in this room not right now mm. receive your healing receive your healing to yeah, both your you, eyes Lord. that's right thank you jesus yeah yeah, I also had pain in, in my left eye, and the Lord's healing that too. That's good. Thank, Thank you, you Jesus. Lord. Thank you, mm. Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And right now, the Holy Spirit and his oil and his fire comes to your joints, hips mm -hmm. and knees, hips and knees and shoulders. Right now, those joints, begin to move them. Let the oil of the Holy Spirit just receive the healing right yeah. now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Thank Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, and rotator cuff injuries in the shoulder, especially in the right shoulder, is being healed right now. Somebody's being healed. That liquid golden honey of the Holy Spirit, mm. healing virtues going into your right shoulder. Be healed Thank in Jesus' Lord. name. And if it's your left, I'm still learning, so please take it. Just receive it. Woo. Whoa. Your left there, right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hands are being healed. Like that somebody's had stiffness in your hands. Just check them right now. You're going to find they're completely loosed and free. Yeah. And it will never, ever bind them again. Mm. In Jesus' name. Right. Yes, and I see those knees being healed right there. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Fire into those knees in Jesus' name. Shakaraba. Whoa. All right, well, we just primed the pump. So if there's anybody else that needs healing of something we didn't yeah. call out, okay? All right, just begin to receive it. it. Mm, Lift your hands right up into that invisible atmosphere Thank again and say, Lord, I'm having it. I'm having it. I take it. I take it. In Jesus' name, now grab Jesus the kingdom and name. rub it over your body where you need healing by faith. In Jesus' name. Wow. All right, oh, good. All right, how many of you, raise your hands if when we were calling things out, you know that you're healed. Pain's gone, and you know that you're healed. Hold your hand up. Yep, two, great, three, four. I see that little hand. Very good, excellent, yes. All right, good. Okay, now. All right, so we've had four miracles tonight. That's awesome. But that's just the beginning. We're priming the pump. Okay? So you can relax now. You don't have to feel sorry for me now. Because we've had four miracles. <laughs> and I can't do any of those miracles. So that means that the Holy Spirit's here. Okay? So let's zoom in now. Let's focus in on Him. All right? Because this is for real. It's happening right in this room. 
It's not happening to someone else. It's not on TV. It's not online. This is, you're not, you're not watching some other program happening. This is you right now with the Holy Spirit. Take it. He's here. Now, reach up into that invisible atmosphere one more time. By faith, take hold of what you need. That's Jesus. Take the hem of his garment. Pull the kingdom like that woman did and put it on yourself by faith. Now, this time, check it. And don't look for the pain. Look for the miracle when you check it. Okay? You know why I do that? No idea why either. <laughs> I just feel a spontaneity coming inside of me. And for some reason, God backs it up. It's crazy, I know it. But so spitting in the mud and putting it on people's eyes. Okay? Yeah, God's not like us. He's a lot more sophisticated. All right, how many of you now, just check, you, just check your body, do something you couldn't do before. How many of you, you've just been healed? Put your hand up. Okay, all right. How many of you, good, one. Fantastic. What was wrong with you? Hmm. Okay. All right. Come, come here a minute. All right, everybody. I know you're still standing. So am I. So you're okay. <laughs> so it's okay. Lord, I thank you for what you've started in your precious son. And Lord, we command total healing from the top of his head all the way down to the soles of his feet. Complete healing. Now, I've been watching you this weekend. The fire of God's all over you. You have an intense love for Jesus that he highly covets and that he loves. We just bless you. With the fullness of God. Wow, you're on fire. You're burning hot. Goodness gracious. Lord, I bless what you're doing in this precious son of yours. Lord, let healing virtue flow from his hands to everybody he lays his hands on from this moment forward, Lord. Give him every desire of his heart, Lord. Give him every desire of his heart. Heal the sick through him, Lord. Drive out demons through him. Lord, even raise the dead through him. Lord, he's been in the closet with you. He's been in that secret place with you and nobody's looking. He's asked you for the greater works, Lord. He's asked you to do amazing signs and wonders through him. And it's not because he has a heart for himself, Lord. It's because his heart is so wonderfully pure and he just so loves people, God. And we're asking you, Lord, that you would anoint him as you already have started since last night with William, Lord. I thank you. thank you this morning with Andrew and now, Lord, today, this moment, you touched him and healed his back because he's yours. Ooh, 
He's your man. He's your son. Now use him mightily for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Whoa. Abba. All right. Y'all can sit down, but I'd like the four people that, that, that put their hands up to come out. Um, sweetie, you don't need to if you don't want to, but you can if you want to. Bring your sister or your daddy or who. No, she doesn't want to. That's fine. No problem. Where's the other guys? Okay, two of you, and there was one more person. Where's the third person? Was that you, sweetie? Okay, you're getting your shoes on. Great. Okay, good. All yeah, right, Yeah, tell us. What's your name? Daryl. Daryl. Tell me what God did. He healed my back. I've been having pains and my medicine messed my lower back. Okay. So, your lower back just now? Yes. The Holy Spirit just yes. came and touched you. Yes. Are you able to show us what he did? I can bend over. Wow. Could you do that earlier or was that painful? No, painful. Oh. It hurt. No pain now. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory yes. to Jesus. Yes. Right now, the fire of the Holy Spirit goes right through your back into every part of your body. We bless you, Daryl. We bless you to know the fire of his presence and his love over your life right now. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, Daryl. Um, Psalm 92, around about verse 12, 13, it says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of their God. They'll be fresh and green, mm. full of sap, and will bear fruit mm. even into old age. And I want you to know that you are, have just entered into the most dangerous time of your life in terms of you being dangerous against the enemy yes. and you are going to be more fruitful in the last years of your life than you have been in your entire life up till this point that's not to say you've not been fruitful you've been fruitful but God says I'm going to do so much more because my strength's made perfect yeah. in weakness and you trust me on a level that I'm now able to fully use you in power. Shakaraba. Yes, that's right. Shakaraba. Duo. Not sure what's happening. Come on, Daryl. Shakaraba. All right. That's good. Okay. All right. Did you get healed as well? Come on then. Come and tell us. Tell us what happened. Terrible arthritis in my thumb. It aches. And all the time, yeah. it hurts at night, and it doesn't hurt anymore. Oh. Come on. Come on. Thank, thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Whoa. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. What's your name? I'm Shannon. So, Shannon. Shannon, I'm so happy. Oh, yeah. Around. Holy Spirit, I ask that you anoint yeah. his hands yeah. Yeah. with your anointing That's oil, right. Father, yeah. to heal the sick. That's it. To yeah. set people free from arthritis and many other things that you would... Set his hands on fire. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that gift of healing. Thank you for your love for Shannon. Thank you, Father. Just confirm that now. Shannon, I just hear the Lord say, go and heal others. Go and heal others. And don't stop. Don't stop because his power flows through you. Yeah, come on. Amen. Shannon, Jesus is canon. Come on. 
Awesome. I just want to know how the fishes were in their 20s in 1996. That's why I'm just sitting over there when you're talking about in Toronto. Like, we were in our 20s. I'm like, I wasn't in my 20s in 96. Well, I started pastoring the church when I was 12. Yeah, exactly. He was raised in the church. And he's now going to start preaching the truth, aren't you? <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. You do. You already preach. Go, Shannon. I realized what I was saying. I was just silly, being silly. Okay, what happened to you, sweetie? I just healed of congestion yeah. and eczema. Wow, come on, that's awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. How do you know that you're healed of eczema? Uh, because my face doesn't itch. Oh. oh. I can breathe. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. Wow, Lord. That's Thank awesome. you, Lord. Wow. Would Thank you like to say anything else? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank good. you, Holy Spirit. Well done. Good catch. Thank you for catching <laughs> Oh, yes, Lord. That never returns again. We set you free. We set you free in Jesus' name. Be healed. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Just stay there. Keep receiving. You don't need to move. Stay there, Daryl. God's all over you. He's getting fruitful down there. Wow. Holy Spirit, thank you for filling the room. Thank you for filling the room. We invite you to come, Holy Spirit. We're not satisfied with where we're at. And I woke up this morning and I was just pondering about what we were going to do, what we were going to say, and what we were going to bring tonight. Because we want to bring food and drink, you know, not just empty words, but the words of the Spirit that bring life. And um, the Lord brought me to, to John 2, and um, it was interesting because I'm playing catch-up with my audio Bible reading because I've been without the internet. She's all over. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you're pouring out on your daughter. <laughs> You want to sit down and just keep receiving? <laughs> and um, so I was catching up on my reading. And John 2, the passage of the wedding at Cana. And I'd woken up with that in my heart. And I was like, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Because we, we all love that. We all love the story of the first miracle in John 2 where Jesus was at the wedding. And, you know, you can just kind of go through this. And, um, you know, they were at a wedding in Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. So Mary was there. It was a wedding. It was a family wedding. Usually there's grandparents, parents, kids, cousins, aunties and uncles and everyone, right? Back in the day when we could do lots of great weddings, not so much recently. Two of our daughters got married during COVID, and we just felt like we were robbed of the greatest celebration. But you know, as the as the hosts of the wedding, the parents of the bride, you know, there's a responsibility to provide the food and the drink that's needed. And we read through this, and it's it says that Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. And the next verse, 
verse 3, when the wine ran out. I mean, take note, when the wine ran out. Who ever hosts a wedding, a celebration, and not provide enough wine? And you know, it's actually better to have more wine than not enough. And, and, and Jesus' mom... <laughs> he likes my humor. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus, Mary, said to him, they have no wine. We've run out of wine in the wedding. And Jesus it's hard to know whether he was being sassy or not, but he says, what does that have to do with me, woman? <laughs> Who talks to their mother like that? Apparently, he didn't sin, so he must have said it in a very honoring way. <laughs> but kids, don't call your mother woman. That's all I'm saying. Don't say, yeah. My hour has not yet come. He was not ready to perform a miracle at that moment. But his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. And there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification. They actually had jars full of water that was like a cleanse for a cleansing ceremony. Can you even imagine? Bring these bowls of water, these jars of water that we're going to wash your feet in. <laughs> but Mary said, do what Jesus tells you. So they bring them, fill them with water, and they fill them, and they said, now draw some of it out and take it to the feast. And so when they took the water, we know the end of the story, it had turn to wine turn to wine and it was so good that it was better than the first wine now when people have had a little bit too many glasses of wine they don't really care what the quality of their third or fourth glass is going to taste like but here it was a reverse but you see, what God was showing me is that many of us have lived in a state where we've actually run out of wine. And we're looking, we're looking for somebody to do something about it rather than us stepping forward and, and taking ownership of the fact that the wine has run out. And Mary did something that was quite amazing. She almost forced the hand of Jesus. I don't know whether she at that point would have been able to do something about it herself, but she did know that the son, her son, who was Jesus himself, had the power to do something about it. But Jesus said, my time has not yet come. But he did it anyway because his mother was persistent. And you know, as fathers and mothers in a move of God, we have the potential to do something about the state that we find ourselves in with no wine in the church. 
And we can make something happen. But I think what the Lord wanted me to pull out today was that Jesus made sure that, sorry, Mary made sure that Jesus did something about it. And Jesus was the son. And so often, as mums and dads, we don't step out of the way to let the sons and the daughters do something about the state of the wine in the church. And you know, Paige and Justin, it's time for you to step forward. Don't look to Stephen Marcy to do something about the, the lack of wine, the lack of presence, the lack of joy, the lack of fullness. He's actually saying it's time for you to step forward and do something. No longer a spectator, but a participant. Andrew, you're no longer a spectator. You're actually the one to produce the wine. Wow. You're the one to fill the vessels. And you see, vessels represent you and I, don't they? That present yourself, put the water in, that living water that's within us, and I'm going to transform your life into the joy of the Lord. The wine of the Holy Spirit is going to flow out of you. And there is something about mums and dads where we've stewarded a move of God, where we've had wine. You know, Toronto outpouring was about the outpouring of the wine and the joy. But I feel so strongly now that it's not my turn anymore. Young people, it's your turn. It's your turn to see that if you present yourself as one of these vessels filled with water, it's going to convert to wine. There's no, no longer looking at your leaders alone to be the ones for the solution for the fact that the wine has gone out of the, the wedding. You see, we're getting ready for another wedding, but it takes the mums to release the sons, the sons of God who are led by the Spirit to start producing the wine. And you know, my observation is that people love the presence. They love to come and worship. And we love worshiping too. But it's time to produce the miracle of the wine. It's time to pour the wine out. Lord, we have, uh, we've just sat and spectated and we've said, you do it. But you know, when you're in a family and you're a part of a family business, you have an owner mentality where you yeah, say, this it. belongs to me. I'm going to steward what we have. Yeah. And the Lord is looking for the sons of God yeah. who are led by the Spirit that's to it. step forward and say, it's time for me to do something about the lack of yeah. wine in the church right now. Yeah. I'm not going to sit back and expect my leaders, because they're the pastors, they're going to do it all for me. No, he's saying, what are you going to do to produce the wine in your life, in your business, in your family? Is the wine flowing freely? Is it the good quality wine of the Holy Spirit? Is it the joy of the Lord? Or are you absolutely bone dry because, and thirsty because you've run out of that everlasting supply of heavenly wine? And the Holy Spirit wants to pour out wine 
on you young people. Yes, he does. He does. Yeah. I don't know if you can stand if you're under 25 in this room. 25. There you go. Oh, 30 then, 30. I just want to say something to you. You are good at receiving. You like drinking the wine, don't you? The wine of the Holy Spirit. You love it, right? Yeah? You feel him. You get goosebumps. You feel joy. You start shaking. It's wonderful, isn't it? I love to see my kids do the same. But do you know how to give a drink to somebody else yet? Do you know how to give it away yet? Do you know how to serve it and pour it? Well, Mary said, Jesus is going to do something about it. I want you to just to turn, just put the, your hand on your neighbor right yeah, now. We're going to ask him to come and fill you. And when he fills you, you're then going to release it back to somebody else. Okay? I'm not going to touch you. We're just going to let the Holy Spirit just come right now. Yeah. Holy Spirit, I ask that there would be a transfer right now. <laughs> Heavenly wine, the joy of heaven being released now on this younger group of people in this room, the sons and the daughters of their mums and dads and another generation where they've enjoyed the benefits of the Holy Spirit and they've seen the benefit, they've drank the benefits of the wine, they've enjoyed the wine, they've enjoyed the wine. But right now, Father, I ask that you will just fill them and anoint them, Lord, to release and give it away. Give it away right now. Squeeze it out. So right now to your neighbor, imagine that you're squeezing toothpaste out of that. Whoa, there's like a release. Right now, that's it. Just ki- It's not passive. There's like a, a release of something. It's active. So right now, if you're not necessarily feeling anything, just begin to say, Holy Spirit, right now, fill me by faith. And now I just release it. Give it away. Give it away right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Just thicken your presence. Thicken your presence. Right now, new wine. New wine. New wine being poured out. Wow. Yes, more. 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 Right, I want you, if your mum and dad is here, I want you to release. And if it's not your mum and dad, somebody that you know in this room, I want you to go and find somebody in this room, if you don't mind. If you don't mind me telling you what to do for a moment. Okay. Jesus' mother said, go and, tell, go and do what he tells you to do. So I'm, I'm just saying, please go and do what I ask you to do. <laughs> so, Go lay hands on your mum and dad and some of the grown-ups that you know in this this church. Yeah, stand up, mum and dad. 
And get ready to receive because your kids now are serving some wine to you. Heavenly wine is being served to you right now. And if you don't have any children here, put your hand up and we'll send one of them over to you. Thank you, Lord. Keep coming. That's right. Just receive, mums and dads. Just receive new wine. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You see, there was, a, there was an emergency in the wedding. We'd run out of wine. See, no one these days needs to run out of wine because the Holy Spirit wants to keep pouring out. Keep pouring out. More for your dad. More for your dad. Say more. There's a new more. There's a new more. Another wave. A new more. Just keep drinking. That's right. Do you want to go and play? Do you want to go and pray for that man there? Look, this one here. This guy here. Go and, go and say new more. More. Just keep giving him more. Do you want to go around and pray for some others? Why don't you go and pray for Shannon and his wife? That's it. More. We say more. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You see, God is looking for people not only to enjoy being in his presence, but to know how to steward and give away his fullness, his wine. So we say, more, Lord. Yeah, more, Lord. Okay, go around and find somebody else now. All right, can you go and serve some wine to some of these people? They're a bit thirsty. <laughs> go and find somebody else. There's a few more people around the room that are a bit thirsty. They need some more wine, if you don't mind. Can you go and find some people over here? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And if nobody has been to you yet, I want you to imagine that you're just taking a glass or a bottle and you're just going to have another drink. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We'll receive heaven's wonderful wine. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You see, we sometimes don't make time for this. We just need to learn to be good drinkers. You know, you need about eight glasses of water a day. I think we also need about yeah, twi 25 glasses of Holy Spirit wine every day. So when you take your glass of water or your coffee... Ask the Holy Spirit to put in the, some of his heavenly stuff at the same time. You see, there was so much wine at the end of the wedding 
that the bride and groom had a wine cellar for the rest of their married life. That was worth a lot of money. But more than that, it was actually the fullness of God being poured out into their lives. You see, so many of us operate as though we've we don't even have a cellar. We don't have access to the unlimited supply that God has provided. We have a mentality of lack that we feel dry. We feel like God is not with us in the fullness. But he's looking for a church. He's looking for a people that know that there is so much wine that they can glide through life full of joy full of joy in his presence, the joy of the Lord being our strength. And so we just, I just speak that over anyone now that's dealing with anxiety or depression. I don't want to call you out, sing, single you out, but just begin to ask the Holy Spirit to come and heal you with his new wine. That, there would, ne that would never run out and that wine would just change even the way that the chemistry in your brain operates. So right now, Holy Spirit, the joy of the Lord being released in this room. Thank you, Father. That's so good, love. Wow, that's so good. So good. Imagine at the end of the wedding, and the master of ceremonies says, everybody serves the best wine at the front, but you've served the best till now. And you know, I love the fact that it says till you've served the best till now, because now is when. You realize that that man was prophesying through the Holy Spirit to all of the world forever until Jesus comes back, that Jesus is serving the best wine now. And Jesus left them, okay? He, he made 1,146 bottles. That's how much wine he made. 1,146 bottles worth. Absolutely amazing. I think, like Kate said, one day it just occurred to us that Jesus gave them the ultimate wedding present. Like, the, you know, for people that really enjoy wine, they'll pay 500 bucks for one bottle. 500 bucks! That's crazy. But that's because they're poor. People who really love wine, who are rich, they'll pay up to $500,000 for one bottle. And it'll be from some obscure vineyard in France somewhere that nobody's heard of apart from the ultra-rich. And they bring out their bottle in front of their friends, and everybody goes, oh my goodness, I didn't know you were that wealthy. That's extraordinary. Except no, nobody says that. They just know it, right? Yeah? Okay. 
Well, how much do you think at that time, and considering that they all enjoyed wine, how much do you think each of those bottles was worth about 10 years after that wedding? I'll just let you think about that. He made them multi-millionaires. That's how good he is. And Jesus came to give us wine, and he came to give us fire. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I was born in Nigeria, in West Africa. And I grew up there till I was 18 years old. I'm really a black man in a white skin. I can still speak fluent Hausa. And it wasn't until we went to Bible college, three years after we were married, four years after we were married, and they, we were at this Bible college in the south of England, and there was a whole group of uh, African pastors from various African nations. And, um, and it wasn't until uh, we were there that my wife suddenly realized I was not the man she thought I was when she married me. Because I suddenly, the real me just came out. And when I'm with my African brothers and sisters... Uh, you, when you see me, you'll suddenly realize, oh, that's why he's the way he is. He sounds English. He's got three passports, British, Canadian, and American. Yes, I'm an American citizen. I'm very proud to be an American citizen. Uh, actually, four passports, because I'm really heavenish. Ah, uh, shakaraba. Whoa. <laughs> and that trumps American citizenship. Sorry about that. But you'll agree with me on that one. And, um, yeah. And, and so, you know, growing up in, in Nigeria on the edge of the Sahara Desert uh, for 18 years, that's my home, but my parents are British, um, there's a lot of confusion going on here, you know, with me as to really who I am, etc. So um, uh, I'm just very, very grateful, actually, that... Uh, the Holy Spirit saw fit for me to be born into a family where my parents had laid down their lives. And instead of my father entering into his dad's business, my grandfather was a very successful businessman. Um, and instead of entering into that, he was one of the heirs apparent. He turned his back on that. And instead, having been marked by Jesus, he gave 20 years of his life to the Nigerian people. And my dad was the very last uh, foreign leader to lead the organization or the mission that had been over 100 years in Nigeria. And uh, he was the last person to lead that mi mission and appoint, instead of appointing a, uh, a white missionary to be the, the, to be the leader of the movement, he appointed a Nigerian man, that, an indigenous man that he had raised up. And um, the mission exploded And after that and now has over 5 million members. So I'm really, really grateful for the heritage of growing up in my dad's family. I'm really glad that my dad didn't go into my grandfather's business. I'm really glad that he went into his heavenly daddy's business. And don't get me wrong, I love business. But uh, 
uh, business is, uh, is good, it's amazing, it's wonderful, but daddy's business of miracles, signs and wonders, preaching the gospel is infinitely better. Now, the good news is if you're a businessman or woman, you can do that. You can do your daddy's business, okay? Just make sure you don't get so carried away in your business that you forget his business. All right, so um, I want to just talk about, uh, Kate's talked about the wine, and I want to talk about the fire. And when Kate talked about the wine, she was talking in the context of a multi-generational um, dynamic that was going on because mom turned to her son and, and really was saying, serve them some wine. Do what only you can do, a supernatural miracle. I don't know how you're going to do it. I just know you can. Now go for it. And so it was a multi-generational thing happening right there. And You know, William, you preached such a brilliant message last night. Um, Kate and I loved it. We were just so touched. And, um, you know, I want to just say thank you to you and say something that I felt uh, our heavenly daddy said to me about you. And he said, uh, first of all, you're his favorite son, and he loves you very, very much. And secondly, I felt him just saying, uh, I just, it wasn't something that he said, I just understood something, and joy filled my heart. I saw that all of your relatives that were speaking into the, um, the, the not the kettle, what, what, yeah, the kettle, yeah. Speaking into the kettle and praying for their generations that would come after them, I felt the Father saying, they're very, very proud of you from the great cloud of witnesses. And they're not whispering into a kettle. They're shouting all over heaven. Look at... Look at our great-great-grandson. Look at him go. Look at his wife to Haviland go. Look at them go. And uh, I just felt the pleasure of your heavenly daddy, both of you, over the two of you. Thank you for stewarding so well what they prayed for into that kettle because all of us are the beneficiaries of that. It's not just your people. You know, it's all of us. All of us. And apart from the fact that I'm extremely jealous of the color of your skin. <laughs> I love you with all my heart. I loved you from the moment I heard about you both. And now I've met, now Kate and I have met you. We love you so much. You guys are amazing. And Marcy and Steve, thank you so much for inviting Kate and I. And... Um, we love you so much. We, we just love this church. And, uh, of course, Kate wasn't meaning that you've all run out of wine. She was speaking it a bit figuratively. And we've all actually, to a degree, run out of wine. And um, compared to the level of wine that is available for us, we're out of wine. That's what, that's what we're really saying. And uh, in about 2014, I spent almost a year preaching. It's an emergency. We run out of wine. <laughs> See, but it takes discernment to realize that you're in an emergency. 
I want to talk about the generations of revival. Hebrews 11, verse 9, the Holy Spirit just burned this into our hearts. Hebrews 11 is the chapter about faith. By faith, it's called in my Bible. And by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch was taken up. Do you know, God is, lo God is love. Therefore, he's lover, beloved, and love. He's Trinitarian. Augustine came up with that many centuries ago. If God is love, which he is, he must be lover, beloved, and love. The Father, the Son, the Beloved, the Father, the Lover, the Son, the Beloved, and the Love, the Holy Spirit, who's eternally flowed between the Father and the Son for eternity. And this, C.S. Lewis says, that because the Father's always moving towards the Son, and the Spirit is the movement to, of the Father towards the Son, and the Son towards the Father, then there's this constant whirlwind, the great, and C.S. Lewis called the Trinity, the great dance of love. The great dance of love. And Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6 says, uh, love is the everlasting flame of Yah. And so when the Holy Spirit came in fulfillment of John the Baptist saying, one comes after me who's, great, who's even greater than I am, whose very sandals I'm not worthy to untie, I baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so when that happened on the day of Pentecost, Fire came into the room and lit the prayer meeting right up. And they all had a flame of fire on their heads. Can you imagine? And all of a sudden, they're like, how do I know that they started doing that? Because drunk people do those kinds of crazy things, right? And they... And then when Peter got up on the day of Pentecost, he didn't just turn around and say, hey, everybody, listen, I, I, I just want to explain the flame of fire on the top of my head. <laughs> he never mentioned the flame. He's standing there. And the first thing out of his mouth is, these men are not drunk as you suppose. Because he, he understood that the flame on his head was the baptism of love. Andrew preached a brilliant sermon that we have the Holy Spirit in us. The everlasting well. The, the spring that is on the inside of us that Jesus talked about in John 7, 30, 37 to 39. And he breathed on his disciples right after he was raised from the dead. And he said, as the Father sent me, so now I send you. And he breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And they breathed him in. And what do you think happened? I don't think they had time to argue about whether Jesus' breath smelled fishy or not from the fish that he just caught. I don't think that they were sitting there going, hey, what was it like, Andy? I don't know, Pete. It wasn't too bad. Not too bad. It's okay. You'll be all right. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. I think when, when the Son of God, freshly raised from the dead, breathes on you and says, as the Father sent me, so now I send you, and says, receive the Holy Spirit, breathes on them, I think, I think they went flying. I think they were in the... I think it took hours for them 
to get the sand out of their hair because they were on a beach. I think it was, I think it was absolutely life-altering, and they never recovered. And then he turns around and he says to the same guys who had that, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high, until you're clothed with power from on high. Because you have the Holy Spirit in you for you, as Bill Johnson says, but God wants to baptize you with the Holy Spirit on you for others, in you for you, but on you for others. And the Holy Spirit, a lot of evangelicals get very confused about this. They say, why do I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? When I already have the Holy Spirit inside of me. Because the Holy Spirit inside of you is for you to produce the fruit so that the world can enjoy the fruit of the Spirit. And by the way, it's the fruit of the Spirit, not your fruit. So quit trying so hard to be patient. You'll get constipation. It's not you who's producing your fruit. The Holy Spirit's not trying to improve you. You're already dead. You were so unimprovable, you were slaughtered with Jesus at the cross. And now you're raised with him, a brand new creation. He didn't even, he, came, he didn't come as the second Adam. No, the Bible, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul calls Jesus the last Adam when he died, but he rose again the second man. He did not say the second Adam because God had no desire whatsoever for any of us to be like Adam any longer. The whole point of Jesus coming was to wrap Adam up, end Adam, and start a brand new people that were all in him and he in them. A people of the spirit, not a people of the flesh alone. A people who, yes, we live in these bodies. And this, this, the material realm is, is not evil. The material realm is made by God, and God loves it. God loves the world we live in. God loves your body. The flesh in the Bible is not necessarily speaking about your natural body. It's not like God hates your natural body, and he wants you to just be spirit now. No, you are Filled with the Spirit on the inside, in your natural body that He loves. So take care of that body. Okay? And it's your earth suit. And just like if you had a moon suit on the moon and you got a puncture in that moon suit, it doesn't matter how anointed you are, you can die on the moon. And there's a lot of anointed people who make the mistake of thinking that the anointing is an endorsement of their character. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit is never, ever an endorsement of our character. It's an endorsement of His character. Because His anointing belongs to Him. And He never gives us His anointing because we're special. He gives it to us because we're His. <clears throat> and we ask, and He gives it to us. And So the, Jesus says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power. And God wants us to be fully clothed with power. Not for our salvation. Our salvation and our union and our intimacy and our relationship is the inward work of the Holy Spirit. But he wants us to be clothed with power so the world lights up when we walk into a room. 
so that there's power. And I've never ever heard light groaning in the presence of darkness. So don't be afraid of what? Don't be afraid of going to school. Don't be afraid of going to university. Those of you that have been homeschooled, don't be frightened of going to university. Go to university and shine with glory. Because you've got oil bubbling up on the inside and you've got a flame of fire on your head. You might not be able to see it, but the world can see it. There are some things that we can't see that God allows the unsaved to see so that they can get saved. Way back in uh, last century, or a couple of centuries ago, there was so much anointing on, on men like Charles Finney and, and Moody, and, and, excuse me, and others, that there were, it was recorded in cities like Chicago that people would dial 911 and tell the, the, the emergency services that the neighborhood church just round the corner, just right where they could look at it, was literally on fire, burning flames everywhere. And they're like, okay, we'll send the emergency. And so the fire brigade would arrive only to see a regular-looking church building. Just the car park, the parking lot was full of cars. There was no flames. There was no burning down church. But the unsaved were absolutely convinced (laughs) that they were looking at a church that was burning on fire. And Enoch, a man just like us, but he, he just got it. God doesn't need me. God's not impressed with my prayer life. God's not impressed with my scripture reading because the scriptures weren't written. God's not impressed with my worship because musical instruments like we know them hadn't even been invented. It just says that Enoch walked with God for 300 years. He walked with God. God's not looking for our religion. He's looking for our friendship. He loves us so much. In the pre-service prayer, I was sitting in this great big giant leather chair. Oh, I would so just, oh my goodness. I could just sink into that chair and spend the rest of my life in that chair. That chair is magnificent. I'm sitting in this great big chair. And as I'm sitting in this great big chair, I felt the Father say, welcome to my lap. And in this place, I suddenly realized, wow, I... I'm so unimpressive, but I don't need to be impressive. He loves us so much. And then I just got it, the aching and the pain in his heart. But we just don't get it. We're all there, all of us getting on our religious makeup. And he's over in the room going, hey, guys, come on, let's go. We're like, wait, I just need to get myself ready. He's like, no, 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 let's go. No, 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 I need, I got to improve myself. I got to improve myself. I got to pray more. I got to fast more. I got to read my Bible more. I got to give to the poor more. I got to go to church more. No, I'm not going to church anymore because church sucks. I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to go to some other group. You know, we, we, my, my brother, quick interlude, my brother, he bumped into a young man He's actually not that young anymore. He's in his mid-30s. And uh, he used to be a worship leader in our church. And he was so anointed, so anointed. Literally, the air would drip with the presence of Jesus when he led worship. 
But, like I said, the anointing's never an endorsement of our character. And so, sadly, he began to make choices. He was married. Now they've got a child. And, you know, from he left our church. And then, like many people who leave churches, he's left Jesus as well. You know, because that's smart, isn't it? You know, the church is all wrong, so why don't I just throw away my eternal life? And that's the spirit of stupid. Never ever let somebody's bad behavior determine your eternal life. Goodness gracious. There isn't a perfect church on planet earth. It's in heaven. And God sees us all in the heavenlies and we're perfect in the heavenlies. But here on earth, we've got all kinds of problems. And whatever you do, please... If you find the perfect church, please do not join it. You'll ruin it. So we have to walk in with the tools of forgiveness and, 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 and stay free of judgments and all of these things. And that's a whole other message. But this young man, he's chosen not to use the tools that he knows he has in his pocket. And he's chosen instead to turn from Jesus and he's now become a Marxist. Okay? All right, that's his choice. No, that, that, that's a political view. That's, he's a Marxist now. Okay, all right, so you're a Marxist. All right, yeah. And then he turned around and said, yes. And tell, he's talking to my brother. They're having coffee. And he said, you know, I just want to warn you. that." And he, and he warned about some, you know, people that have supposedly infiltrated our church that are the opposite of Marxists and all the rest of it. And so my brother's just saying, well, thank you for your concern, and that's really kind of you to mention that. And, you know, tell me, how, how's everything else going in your life? Oh, well, actually, I've, um, I've uh, well, let me say it like this. He's chosen to no longer, because he no longer has his main identity centered in Christ, he's now open for the enemy to come and whisper about his identity in other areas, particularly in his sexuality. And he's now choosing to orient his main identity and center it into sexuality, which is something that human beings were never, ever meant to gain our main identity from. Okay? And, and so this... This young man, as a result of that, and my brother said, well, you know, where did you learn all of that? Well, I learned all of this from this most loving community that I've ever met. They are by far and away the most loving community I've ever met. And he said, well, what community is that? And he said, it's the, and he listed off four letters of the alphabet and a plus sign. And so my, my brother said, oh, wow. And they're the most loving community that you've ever met. Yes, absolutely. And how does your wife feel about the fact that you've now chosen to be a completely different sexual orientation to what you were when she married you? Well, she's really grieving about it. He said, really? I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that. And then my brother had a flash of brilliance from the Holy Spirit like he often does. He said to the young man, he said this, well, he's 30-something-year-old. He said, you know, 
I doubt that that community is the most loving community that you've ever met. In fact, I fundamentally know that it isn't. Oh, this young man was offended. <laughs> How could you say such a thing? He said, oh, it's, it's easy. You're, you're confusing something. You're confusing acceptance and love. And he said, I'll guarantee you. He said, no, I'm not. He said, yes, you are. And I'll guarantee you that you are. Because on account of this, if you go down this evening to that community and you tell them joyfully, I've just been with Pastor Murray and I've just realized, actually, I am a born again Christian. And you know what? I am heterosexual. And you know what? I've decided to make some lifestyle choices and that's what I've decided to do. I'm going to love my wife solely in a heterosexual relationship. And see whether they are the most loving community that you've ever experienced when you tell them that. You see, because, son, love loves your enemies. Not just your friends. And to be the most loving community, you have to accept people who think completely different to you and still love them. And if, on the other hand, you meet people who only love you if you think like them, that's acceptance, not love. Be careful of acceptance. It's just fickle. So, Enoch, he understood that God is just looking for people that will walk with him. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for people that will recognize his love, not just his acceptance. And in verse 9 it says, well, verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise. As in a foreign land. Living in tents with Isaac and Jacob. Heirs with him of the same promise. Heirs with him of the same promise. I'm not going to read on because I don't want you to get confused for just a moment. I want you to center into this. Okay. Three generations, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, by faith, lived together in the same tents. And they shared something really, 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 really deeply and profoundly important that was the reason that they stayed together. They all believed in the promise. What was that promise? Well, that promise was the gospel. That promise was the gospel. How do we know that it was the gospel? Well, because Paul says it in Galatians. He says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 7, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. There's that generational thing again. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Saying, here we go. Here's God preaching the gospel to Abraham. Saying, 
In you shall all the nations be blessed. That's it. That's the gospel. In you shall all the nations be blessed. And the you was a promise spoken over Abraham that Abraham communicated to Isaac. Isaac communicated to Jacob. And it didn't come to pass until the you, who's Jesus, was born. In you, all the nations will be blessed. And the you wasn't Abraham, wasn't Isaac, wasn't Jacob. They were just stewards of the promise. The you was who came from their loins in the natural, was born when the Holy Spirit himself overshadowed Mary and Jesus Christ was conceived in her womb. A man who was an invisible fertilized egg, fertilized by God himself. A man who was fully man and fully God. Our Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And what was the gospel? In you, Jesus, all of the nations will be blessed. So when you hear somebody saying that they're going to preach the gospel, remember that the gospel is God's heart, fulfilled it by Jesus, that all the nations are blessed. That's the gospel. That's the promise that they stewarded together in the tents. That's the promise that this church for 70 years has been stewarding. And now the next 70 stretch in front of us. And all y'all right here that are young. Yes, I've been 13 years living in North Kakalaki. And it's your turn now. Don't wait till we're dead. Get up on our shoulders now and preach the gospel. And that doesn't mean trying to be right. Like I'm not telling you the story about our friend in Raleigh and, and kind of boasting that my brother was smart and sassy and right. That's, that's not the point. My brother helped this young man to understand the critical difference between acceptance that the world's craving for and love that the world was created for. And God's looking for a generation. And I believe that he's going to fill us all with so much wisdom that the wisdom that he said, be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. That, what that means is that God will fill your mouth with the kind of wisdom that helps people that are using their intellect to try to, to, try to live out the meaning of life. That God will give you wisdom to help them understand that the brain is not sufficient to help you after death. And for all the achievements that we all make in this life, they count for nothing if after this life we spend eternity in the fire of hell. 
And your friends, if they don't know Jesus, your family, if they don't know Jesus, they're going to spend an eternity in hell. And God didn't create hell for them. He created hell to judge and contain sin forever. To make sure that because you've given your life to Jesus, that when you enter into heaven, you don't bring all your sin with you. Otherwise, you'll go down in eternal history as the person who screwed up heaven. And you know, we were just talking in the car on the way here. Right now, we're living in a world that's demanding justice. But they don't want the judge. They're demanding love, but on their terms. They have a mentality that says, do whatever you like. Feels good to you, do it. Until you do something that doesn't feel good to them. And then they'll be very mad with you. You see, Jesus turned it on his head. Turned that on its head. Humans, we say, do whatever you want. Jesus said, no. No. Do unto others, not what you want. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Wow. Think about that. Do unto others what you would have them do to you. Treat other people with the respect you expect from them. Because have you discovered something about yourself? You and I, we are extraordinarily robust. Well, let's start with it. We're extraordinarily fragile with what others have done to us. I mean, when... <laughs> do you have any idea? Honey, you're not going to believe what they said about us. My mom, she did this. My dad, she did, he did that. I can't believe my granddaddy talked to me that way. I can't believe my, my teacher, I thought that I was his favorite, and then he just said, <laughs> and I just, I just don't understand it, you know. My friend, I thought they were my friend, and then they did that TikTok video, and I was such an idiot. I mean it. We're so fragile about what others do to us. And then on the other hand, we're extraordinarily robust about what we've done to others. And when someone confronts us about what we've said about somebody or what we've done about somebody or how we hurt somebody's feelings, we're like, that's ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. I didn't mean it like that. What are they talking about? Mm. By faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob dwelt in the same tents because they shared in the same promise. They were holding on to the same promise. And what is that promise? That everybody's going to be blessed by Jesus without exception, with no religion, just pure acceptance. And the thing about God's acceptance, because God's acceptance is God's love, it alters you. Yeah. 
You see, he loves you just as you are, but he loves you way too much to leave you as you are. That's why God's not mocked. You can't give your life to Jesus and then carry on smoking weed and kissing boys and girls and, and then, you know, going all the way and just thinking that that's okay. Nobody knows. It's just me and my girlfriend, my boyfriend. I'm just going to do what I want. I'm, I'm just on my own in the bathroom. I'm going to masturbate. I'm going to look at pornography. I mean, after all, it's so easy. I'm just going to do it. No problem, you know. And Jesus loves me. Yeah, he loves you enough to help you to stop doing that because it's destroying you. How do you know it's destroying you? Because your whole mind is occupied with that, which means you're not living out all of this that you could be if you weren't thinking about that all the time. So, we'll finish with this. Remember the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Turn with me to Exodus in chapter 3. One of my favorite passages in the scripture. Remember, we're talking about sharing the promise in multiple generations. And what's the promise? That all the nations will be blessed through us. And we're talking about the fire of God that God wants to give us. And that fire is his love. We tie it all together right now. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law in Jethro, the priest of Midian. He's a long way from home, everybody. He grew up in Pharaoh's palace, and he grew up and understood one day, I'm not an Egyptian, I'm a Hebrew. And in fact, I am not just any Hebrew. I know in my Noah that I'm to deliver my people that are slaves from this land. And one day when he was 40 years old, he went out and he saw an Egyptian beating up one of his fellow Hebrews. So, like the hero that he was, and he did his best jujitsu, Korean jujitsu, and just smashed this guy to smithereens, as we say in England, and then murdered him and buried him in the sand. Like you do on an average day out. When you're burning with passion to save your people. It's just that wrong timing, wrong method, and doing it without God never works. Justice without Jesus is never justice. Because Jesus is the judge. And one of the greatest things that the world is deceived by is false justice. Because justice without the judge ain't justice. Now, he thought he'd got away with it. And the next day, he saw a couple of Israelite dudes and they were having a big old argument. And he came between them and he says, guys, guys, huh? cool, relax, stop it. You're hurting each other. And the one guy goes, oh, who made you judge over us? You're going to murder me like you did the guy yesterday? <gasps> and Moses realizes, oh my gosh, I've been found out. And then he hears for certain, he asked a question or two. I imagine the scriptures don't say it, but he heard that it had 
been heard about in Pharaoh's house. And he ran. He booked it out of there as fast as he could go. He kept running and 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 kept running for days and days and days and days until he finally came to the land of Midian, where he was so far away, Pharaoh would never, ever find him. And he got stuck there for 40 more years. He's 80 years old right now. And he's looking after his father-in-law's sheep. And he's totally about as far away from his destiny as he possibly could be. And by the way, when I say destiny, I'm meaning the call of God. There's nothing more empty than your destiny without Jesus. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then the Lord said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. I just want to take a moment to say, the reason he told him to take his feet off was because he wanted nothing separating his soles of his feet with the ground that God had filled with his presence. It's not some weird thing that God doesn't like shoes. Okay? So, you know, when you get up barefoot and start thinking, wow, I'm being really holy because I'm barefoot. No, he's, the reason was, was the presence of God in that bush was so filled that bush and so filled the entire ground around. And God wanted Moses to understand that he and God were one. And later on, he said, Aaron, your brother will be the prophet and you will be God to Pharaoh. That's how one you and I are. So get those sandals off your feet because that leather is separating you and me and I don't want any separation. Because where you're about to go, you're going to need to understand that you are literally me and I'm literally you. And that's true Christianity, everybody. In Christ Jesus, Jesus has so taken us over that we are literally Jesus on the earth. It's just that God's smart enough to make it so that it's not just you. It's all, it's all y'all. It's all of us. Together. We're the body of Christ. What do you think it means, the body of Christ? The body of Christ. The body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. We, it just rolls off our tongues that we forget. We're his body. <laughs> you say something, God says it. And by the way, you know, the next time you're up to some kind of mischief somewhere, just remember, great-grandpa's right there with you in the cloud of witnesses wondering, when are you ever going to learn this, son? Kind of makes any passion for sin just evaporate in a moment. Think that grandma's right there watching me. <laughs> Absolutely, she's in the great cloud of witnesses. And Moses said, sorry, and the Lord said, 
I am the God of your father, Amram. And the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them. You thought you were their deliverer. Welcome to reality. I'm their deliverer. I'm just choosing you to work through you. <clears throat> and that's where there's a big difference between Jesus in who he is, in all of his majesty as the king of glory, and us who are one with him in his body. He's still God and we're not. Okay? And he's still the deliverer. He's still the gospel preacher. He's still the healer. He's still the one doing it all. Now, I want to just say this before we finish. There were many bushes in that wilderness. Just like there are many people in the body of Christ. And God chose that bush. So I like that bush. I can use that bush. I'm going to use that bush. I'm going to light it up with my presence and power. And I'm going to capture one of my lost sons with my glory. Just like there were many donkeys outside of Jerusalem. And Jesus said, Go to such and such a house, and when you get there, you'll find a colt tied up. Untie that colt, because I've chosen that colt. I like that colt. I can choose any colt that I like. I made them all. Don't feel sorry for the fig tree he cursed. He made it. He made it so he could curse it. It's up to him what he does. He's God. What you can do when you're the creator. And seeing as he's the only one, and there are no others. And that donkey, Carol Arnott loves to tell the story. That donkey, can you imagine? It comes back to the manger when it's given back. It walks into that manger, that stable. Man, am I ever a special little donkey? <laughs> Man, am I? <laughs> Do you know that when you're telling people all your amazing things and all your achievements and everything that you're so special at, you literally sound like a neighing donkey. <laughs> I, I grew up around donkeys in Nigeria. You know, they're the they're the equivalent of a Mercedes or a. You know, BMW, where they have a very special velvety brown donkey. But they all bray the same. And we sound like braying donkeys when we're searching for significance out of our orphan mentality. Telling everybody about our amazing achievements and disguising with all kinds of social constructs. 
And I can imagine that the mom, Carol says it like this, I can imagine that the mom donkey's like, <clears throat> hey, sweetheart, what in the world's got into you? Well, mom, am I ever a special little donkey? Today, I went into Jerusalem. You would not believe the fuss they made of me. They laid all the branches out for me. They even took their coats off for me. I was walking on coats. And the mom looks at him and says, Honey, I hate to burst your bubble, but I don't think it was you they were celebrating. I think it was the one you were carrying today. We're just made of dust. When he shines his light on us, we sparkle. But we're still dust. And he's the glory. There were many bushes on that mountain. But God chose one. And he lit that bush up with his fire. And you know what? That bush was no different to all the other bushes. And so the next time you see God using your friend, don't be envious, don't be jealous. It's just that God chose them in that moment. Who's to say God won't choose you in your moment? The important thing is Jesus. That's what's really important. Because at the end of the day, everything is all about Jesus. Because that promise that they shared in multiple generations, that promise that was the reason God showed up as a flame of, in, the, in the burning bush, that promise is God wants to bless the nations. And he can use little me just like he can use any little donkey. And any little donkey will do. Any little bush will do. It's not the bush. It's not the donkey. It's the flame and the king of majesty that sits upon us. Let's stand. It wasn't the stone jars that were important at that wedding. Nobody celebrated the stone jars. Nobody looked and goes, wow. The master of ceremonies didn't say, oh, 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 just leave the wine aside a moment. Let me just look at those jars that that wine came from. Wow, do you ever have the most amazing cleansing jars? I never noticed them when I walked in. You know, I've been here three days at the wedding and I never noticed those cleansing jars. No, never. Wow, magnificent jars he's got there. Nobody cares about the jars. The owner did, but for the function of the jars. It's the wine that everybody celebrated. It's not the bush, it's the flame. It's not the donkey, it's the king. We're just the pipes. Now, because God's so beautiful and so very special, we're altogether more lovely than a bush, altogether more lovely than a donkey, altogether more lovely than stone jars. And God loves us for eternity. And if we're like Enoch, we just say, yes, we can walk with him so closely that we're in danger of slipping into glory early. And I don't know about you, but that would be pretty cool. Although now that we're grandparents, I'm not so keen. I'd rather like to stay and see my great-grandchildren now. And just take a moment, close your eyes.
just offer yourself to God in whatever way you'd like to. Lord, here I am. If you want me to be a stone jar, <clears throat> nothing fancy, just full of whatever you need to make so much wine the church never runs out in my generation. Well, Lord, if you want me to be like a little donkey, carry the burden, the burden of your presence, it won't be a burden to me, Lord. I'll carry your presence into the city. I'll carry your presence to my friends at work, my colleagues. And I'll be careful when I return to always give you the glory. But Lord, if you want to put a flame on me, and you want to choose me to be a bush full of fire so that you capture the gaze of future Moses, Men and women that don't know you, but you know them and you've called them to be deliverers. They're the future apostles. They're the future prophets. They're the future evangelists, the future teachers, the future pastors. Like Pastor Steve was talking about this morning. They're the ones that he wants to come and fill with the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. Like Pastor Andrew was talking about this morning. They're the Eliakims that are going to be promoted over the Shebnas that are going to be torn down. Like Pastor William was talking about last night. People that other people would never, ever look at. People that you have maybe even overlooked. And God says, I'm going to light you up with so much of my fire that I'm going to capture their hearts and turn them into great deliverers. They're going to set my people free. Future generations, future generations are coming into my kingdom because you were willing for me to light you up. And if you want to be lit up, if you want to be a donkey or a stone jar or a bush in the hand of God, if you want to be like our friend Randy Clark says, a penny in God's pocket that he can spend any way he wants, if you want to be a glove like Heidi Baker says, that put me on like a glove and touch anyone you want. If that's what you want tonight and you want to give your life to him. If you want to fully, fully yield yourself on a level that God can finally truly use you and bring you into not just an ordinary life as a Christian, but an extraordinary life. I want you to run down here to the front. Push your friends out of the way if they're in the way. And get down here and just let God rip you open tonight. Just let him rip you open like the master surgeon that he is. And just let him cut your heart right open. And let him slay you tonight. Because sharing in his sufferings is an unavoidable aspect of walking with God. 
And he's looking for a people here in America that are not just happy to walk with God when he's blessing them and everything's going well and they're comfortable. He's looking for those whose hearts are set on him, no matter what they go through, no matter how much they suffer, whether they have to wear a mask or not wear a mask, whether they have to uh, stand up in front of their class like our daughter did and say to a young man in the class who'd been persecuting her at university for, for weeks because of her faith in Jesus and because she was married in a heterosexual relationship and he was a homosexual himself, a gay, and the whole class was full of people that were gay and lesbian. And that was their choice. And I'm not making a, a statement about that. I'm just saying that was their choice. But our daughter was suffering because of Christ. And you might have to suffer because of Jesus because she was outspoken about her faith. It's time to come out of your closet, everybody. And one day in class, this young man teased her one too many times. And she just turned around with the eyes of flaming fire of her Savior Jesus in her eyes. And she said, whatever his name was, You've chosen to gain your primary identity from your sexuality and you demand that I honor you for that. Well, I have chosen to gain my primary identity from Jesus Christ and I demand the same respect from you. Never tease me like that again in front of the class. And from that moment, every one of them repented to they just stopped doing it is what I mean it's not like they gave their lives to Jesus but they left her alone but you know what some of you are going to suffer some of you have got suffering ahead of you just begin to do business with God right now are you going to run from or are you going to run to like Andrew was talking about this morning this is not a time where our lives are led by fear. But this is a day when our lives are filled with love and perfect love casts out all fear. And just allow yourself on the altar right now. It's really not about you. It's really not about me. It's not about us, everybody. It's all about Jesus. It's about his fame and his name. His glory. And there's joy in the journey, everyone. There's wine available in the midst of our suffering. As we share in Jesus' sufferings, He will turn all of our water into wine. He'll turn every dead place in every dead stone jar into joy, joy unspeakable. So yes, let your tears flow, but let him turn all that water into wine because you're about to have 
the craziest suffering for the gospel. And yet you're going to be more on fire and more full of joy than you've ever experienced in your life. Because you are about to get way brighter in the midst of this darkness. And God's going to light you up. Holy Spirit, thank you for these yielded hearts, yielded lives. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would anoint each of us like those disciples in the upper room. They were filled with so much fire boldness and courage came upon them like no other no other time they received a spirit of boldness and courage and i heard the holy spirit say you're not doing this alone but i am putting my boldness and my courage on you to be a mouthpiece at this time Every young person, Lord, every older person right now, would you fill each one with boldness in the Holy Spirit that you would give us courage like we've never known, that we would be like those disciples in the upper room, that they were transformed in the power of the Holy Spirit. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just put a tenacity, a tenacity, a tenacity. I release that over you, that you will never give up. You will run with perseverance, the race, the race all the way to the end, that he's calling a generation to run all the way to the end. Faithful, faithful, faithful ones laid down their lives for Jesus and his kingdom and his gospel. Holy Spirit, unless your presence go with us, we will not go from here. Holy Spirit, Faithful ones, faithful ones, faithful ones, faithful ones. Thank you, Lord. You find faithful ones. I ask, Father, that there would be a multiplication of a generation that would radically, radically give their lives to you, Jesus, and the gospel, that their careers would would be second place to their love for you, Jesus. Oh, I feel like there's some young people here 
in this room that you know that you're called to a radical life with Jesus, whatever that looks like, whatever it's going to cost. If that's you, just just put your hand up. I just want to lay my hands on you. Because Jesus says, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever loses his life in this earth will find it in my kingdom. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for this radical, radical heart. I ask, Holy Spirit, for your anointing. Your anointing. Fall on them, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Set apart one, set apart. Set apart. Set apart. Set apart for Jesus. You're going to do amazing things. And you're going to serve the wine to the nations. fresh fire, the fresh mandate. I just feel like for many even right now, the Lord's just like renewing callings. But we just thank you for the fresh mandate. We say yes. We say yes as a house. We say yes Here we are, God. Send us into the next 70. Send us, Lord. Mark us, every one of us. Mark us.
say yes. Yes. Let us burn like never before. Thank you, Lord, that our greatest days of burning are not in the past, but are in the future. We say yes, God. Set apart, set apart. You are marked and set apart by God for such a time as this. Thank you for that fresh calling and mandate from heaven. Set apart, set apart. Set apart. 